Hi, I'm Sanaf Jahed. And I'm Sharis Duku. And welcome to She, she Fizzles Shit, shit Up, up. <laughs> a podcast hosted by two physio gals for our physio pals, where we create a safe space for stupid questions and hash out the highs and lows of physio. In part one, Rona Doubt, we talked about burnout occurring from chronic workplace stress that has not been managed successfully and identified that it is experienced across the continuum. We also highlighted that there are a variety of factors that influence the risk of burnout. In this episode of Rona Doubt, part two, we're going to get into what you can do to reduce your risk of burnout. Awesome. And just as a little summary for you guys to know what to expect from this podcast, we've kind of broken down um, the way you can deal with burnout into five different subsections. First one's reflection. Uh, second is practicing self-care and gratitude. Next, managing your time, building your resilience every day, and remembering your mission. So let's get into it. What can you do? Um, the first one, we talked about this a little bit already. Um, I think it's one of the most important things is reflection. Um, and the point of reflection is to check in with yourself and be able to recognize what you're, exp you're experiencing. There are a, a few models that have been pretty helpful for both Shar and I. There's one I think that we use most common while we were in school was the, the what, the so what, and the now what model. Um, do you remember that one, Shar? I do, yeah. I think that was the one with the fewest questions, which is why I tended to gravitate towards it. Yeah. Everything else just seemed a little bit um, all-encompassing and complicated. So, yeah, that that made the most sense to me. Like more bang for your buck. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like I could actually look at those questions or think of those questions and answer them instead within, of coming out with an essay, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my favorite model, actually. That's good. Um, and it's really simple. Uh, so the what, the so what, and the now what. What means what happened. The so what is why is this important? You know, why did this happen kind of thing. And the now what is the action step. Like, how do you do learn from this experience and grow from it? Or what are you going to do next so that you don't experience that again or repeat that experience? Um, the other one that's, that was really uh, popular was the Gibbs model. Uh, and it's very similar to the previous model, but a lot more um, intensive. Detailed? Detailed? detailed. I think detailed. Detailed is better detailed, word. Yeah. And if you ever look up the Gibbs model, it'll show you this nice little circle and it'll look like it's really easy. But it really, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, but you really have to like practice it. Otherwise, you just won't do it. So the facets of the Gibbs model is that you create a description, same as the other one, of what happened. Um, in the next kind of circle, you pan out what your feelings were about that situation. Um, we all know that in any situation, even though it's the exact same situation, people have different feelings about it. So it's really good to kind of identify that in yourself and see how you're reacting to these situations. And then after that, you want to evaluate those feelings, see what they're doing, and then do an analysis of why that's happening. And then come up with a conclusion and then build up an action plan for next time if the situation does arise again. It, it seems like a lot of the same thing. <laughs> but once you start building that up and uh, 
getting used to this model. And I think this is actually my favorite model. It's something that I've been using for just like my personal life as well. I should do it for a work, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Might be a good idea. That's not a bad idea. I think one of the nice things about the more complex models is that sometimes like for instance, like in the what, so or the what, so what now what, you don't know what the smaller questions are in the what. Mm. So when you do have, you know, a model that says, okay, like what happened? What are your feelings about it? Then you know, oh, right. Like I'm meant to acknowledge my feelings in this. So there are benefits mm -hmm. to the different types of models and the more detailed models. So it's just, you know, about finding something that yeah. works for you and what, and it might be a good idea to start with the, the what, the so what, and now what. Like, instead of, you know, running a marathon, as you would for the Gibbs model, do, like, you know, shorter bouts and get used to that and build up onto that. But anyway, the point of these is really for, especially in the um, context of burnout, is for you to identify your risk of uh, burnout and be able to intervene before it progresses further onto the continuum. And, uh, yeah, that's full-on reflection. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like reflection, like Sadaf mentioned, reflection is kind of the first step of identifying is it's having that check in with yourself and knowing what's going on at that time. And um, one of the other things along with that, that we thought was very important in, in burnout is practicing self care and gratitude. And some of the things that we came up with, um, well, not that we came up with, but that we well, no, we, you know, we, we summarized <laughs> we've, some of the things that we've tried or we've read about. Um, I'll go through a couple of them right now. So the first, the first big one was meditation and mindfulness. Um, meditate, mindfulness in itself is more about being present in the, this is not a hard and cold, this is not a hard description or definition, but when we think about mindfulness, we think about how do we be present in the moment? How do we just stay in the here and now instead of thinking about the past or dwelling on the past and getting too wrapped up in things that haven't happened yet in the future? So meditation can be a tool that helps to build mindfulness. So again, really good for helping to train mental focus and building, getting you to be more mindful in different areas of your life. Um, like in your workplace so when you are having a hard time and when you do take a second to do those check-ins it's mindfulness that helps you to be in that moment to recognize that you need to do a check-in at that moment um there's lots of different tools now that like tons of different apps that are available two of the ones that both sadaf and i have used and had success with are insight timer and headspace um I don't know if you can change the voice on head. Can you remember if you can change the voice on Headspace? I know I have a lovely South African man talking to me right now on Headspace. South African man. I don't think yeah. I've had them before. <laughs> you must be able to change it then. But I think you might be able to change the voice. So you can pick a nice soothing voice. <laughs> uh, to, be, to be honest, I think I like Insight Timer better. It's literally a database of millions of um, meditation, like guided meditations. And um, like, I don't know about you, but I can't meditate for more than like, I think my peak was like seven minutes. Yeah. And to have, um, you know, a meditation that's supposed to last you 10 minutes, I feel like a little bit of a failure if I don't go through it. Yeah. So having yeah. Insight Timer, it's like shorter bouts. I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah. yeah. What's nice about those, Insight Timer is nice because if, if you look at the, 
the image for it. It's um, I don't know the name of the bowls, but it's one of the, the Tibet, is it Tibetan bowls that makes a nice timing sound. But um, you can change, you can pick whatever sound is soothing to you for mm -hmm. whatever period of time that you're sitting. Then you can set the timer and it'll, and it'll, it'll, it'll ding the, or ring the bowl, or you can, you can choose what sound is your intro sound and your outro sound. <laughs> It's very Which is personalized. Nice. Yeah, it's it is very nice. personalized, and you can. It's 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 fun. I think it's fun. It is, yeah. And you can change it depending on what you're feeling that day. But um, Inside Timer is my favorite. It's yeah. actually my favorite. And um, yeah. So there are tons of tons of apps. Um, those are just two that we've personally tried and we've found helps and that we like. Um, the next big thing is physical activity can emphasize the benefits of physical activity enough if you're in physio you've learned them you've read about them hopefully you've experienced them but um that's another way to practice self-care just finding something that you like even if it's just a walk or a bike anything really that mm -hmm. gets you up and moving um what do you do for your physical activity Right now I'm doing yoga actually since COVID oh, started. Yeah. yeah. It's something that I've been wanting to get more into, but my schedule never works out mm -hmm. and I'm just waking up early. I tell myself all the time, I'm like, yep, 6am setting the alarm clock, going to fit it in before work. And then it doesn't happen and I choose sleep. So yeah. during this time, it's been nice because I can actually make a 6.30 to 7.30 class three times a week. And so I've been doing that and it's been really good. And it's, it also ties in with the meditation as well. So I've been doing a little bit of that. Nice. I um I made the mistake early on where like my physical activity is weightlifting, and like specifically more powerlifting type of weights. And uh, fun fact, I can't do that right now. <laughs> I am going crazy. I think I tried yoga for about a month, and then it was fine. But then it just doesn't keep my attention. So every like every three weeks, I'm trying something new. Biking's my new thing now. Oh, that's so awesome. we'll see. Anyway, go on. Yeah. We'll talk in, in, in another podcast, we can talk about yoga and strength and how that, how that has actually changed my outlook on strength training, but that's going to be in another podcast. Write it a, down, sure. Write I'm, I'm going to put a pin in that. Yeah. Um, one of the other things for practicing self-care is a cuddle time. Someone told me this. I don't know where the research is, but someone told me that you need four hugs a day. <laughs> I don't know how based in fact that is, mm -hmm. fact or research, but the benefits of a, like physical affection is oxytocin, release of oxytocin and dopamine, y'all. Hormones run the show. They're so real. Yeah. Pet therapy, <laughs> what human therapy, whatever it is. Yeah. Teddy bears, <laughs> anything. You, you laugh because I was just going to, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't say this. But I've like pulled out one of my teddy bears since like in the last month and I've just been sleeping with it. <laughs> yeah. And it feels so good. Yeah, whether it's a big pillow, hey, there's tons of different things that can be used. <laughs> but um, I'm going to frame it as cuddle time. Get it in. <laughs> um, the other, another big thing is nutrition. Nutrition is so huge. If you eat like poo, you're going to feel like poo. So... I highly encourage you to try to keep your nutrition game pretty strong. Um, definitely not overrated. Another big one is sleep. Uh, there's different ways to, if you're finding that sleeping is difficult or you're not either like, like that you're super tired and you just can't get to bed or that you're waking up in the middle of the night. 
um, many of these things that we talked about, so meditation, physical activity, that can help, imp that can help improve your sleep quality um, and building a nice sleep routine. So whether you're doing some deep breathing before bed or saying that I'm going to put away my phone an hour before bedtime or there's different, uh, I know there's light therapy, like different blue lights that you can use to help uh, retrain your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. That can also be something that can help to build a healthy sleep hygiene. So that's another big one for just practicing self-care. Mm -hmm. I spent maybe two months actually writing out my sleep routine every week so that mm -hmm. I made sure I did it and it, it felt really good. I should really get back to that too. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a really good idea, Sadaf. <laughs> so all of the things that I've mentioned so far are kind of things that you should do on your own time. Um, but self-care during work is a really big deal and it's really important because like Sadaf mentioned, like having those check-in moments, those need to happen during work. Um, and it's building a habit, right? And building a new habit is never easy. And sometimes you might just be flying by the ends of your coattails and trying to make it to the end of the day. But those mm -hmm. can sometimes be the day where during lunchtime, you need to just shut the door look away from the screen, do some deep breathing, have a five minute, set your inside timer to five minutes. It's only five minutes, but it, it can rejuvenate you and it can change the quality of your practice for that second half of your day. So self-care during the day is, is, um, is really important. Um, and the last big encompassing <laughs> suggestion or recommendation that we can have for all of this is just self-love change that's going to sound really really cheesy but self-love and gratitude mm -hmm. are magnanimous <laughs> um just taking a moment to respect whatever emotions come up and giving yourself just space and time to acknowledge them and let them come to fruition. I'm not saying necessarily in front of your patients. That's where professionalism and self-regulation comes in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, still acknowledging that what are the emotions that you feel and being thankful for what you have done and the things that you have done for yourself and the things that you do have in your life and being patient with those emotions and being patient with yourself that's a big part of how you do practice self-care. And especially if you can do those, if you can be more consistent with doing that during the day and as well at the end of your day, it sounds like a lot of work, but when you start to do it regularly, it just becomes natural and it it's starts like instinctual. To, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it does start, I promise you it does start to feel good. Yeah. Um, actually with that comes a really great segue. We didn't plan that, but it was perfect. Um, <laughs> is time management. Um, so this is going to be huge in, especially right now, because you're working from home and you can literally be working the whole, however many, 14 hours that you're awake, but setting time and setting boundaries for um, work time and off work time. So, and they have to be intentional because if you say, oh, I'll stop working at five, but then you end up keep, like doing notes until 7 p.m., you're not setting real boundaries. They're just like fake ones that you just blow through. Um, so a really good way of doing that is straight up scheduling. Put alarms on your phone to say, hey, beep, 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 
turn off the laptop, uh, turn off the brain for a minute. Um, and give yourself things to do in that off time. I know it's hard for people to just go from being super active and productive during the day and then going to doing nothing. So give yourself like a simple household task, like wash the sink or something like that. Or <laughs> I thought you were going to say wash the dishes. <laughs> I was going to say wash dishes, but wash like, the sink. <laughs> you should already be doing that. That's not something you should set a time aside for. <laughs> But yeah, wash the dishes, whatever you need to do <laughs> in your house. <laughs> Get your hands in water. Um, wash your hair. Take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> these are, just to reiterate, these are things that you should be doing anyway, <laughs> not scheduling in. But if you need to schedule you it, might need to thing. schedule it in. You're never too far gone. Always schedule it. Um, oh, yeah. Or like the things we've already suggested so meditation. Um, a little bit of cuddle time or making dinner um, as annoying as making dinner can be sometimes it can actually be pretty uh, comforting I, I personally use like one of those meal delivery services so I don't actually have to think about making dinner and like all of the ingredients are there not everyone has that luxury obviously but um, if you do plan make it fun like try to make it as something that you'll want to do yourself for you or your, for your family um, the other thing with time management is how it affects your mental focus and attention. Um, Shar actually talked about this really interesting, couple of interesting tactics that she just learned about. Mm -hmm. So I took, um, I took a concussion course with Concussion Rehab Works on the weekend, and I absolutely loved it and found it really helpful. And the tips that I'm about to suggest, they were they were talked about in relation to concussion rehab, but I thought to myself, I was like, why wouldn't this work for anyone? Like why, why wouldn't it, it should work, right? So two of the suggestions that they had, one was palming, which is um, like, if you're looking at a screen a lot, like you might be during a Zoom meeting or during webinars or just plain old computer work, um, you just close your eyes. And when you close your eyes, you can still generally see images or movement with your eyes closed if there's light still in the background so palming is when you make cups with your hands and you place them over your eyes and just apply a light pressure so that it completely blocks out the light so there's no sensory input going into going to your eyes so that in itself kind of gives your eyes a break from everything that's constantly coming in all of that visual input um, and I've been doing this since I learned it on the weekend and it's really nice because it's just, it doesn't take very long and it's, it could be 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever it is, but it just helps to reset. It just helps you to reset and calms things down. Um, the next thing is the 20, 20, 20 rule. And that refers to if you're staring at a screen every 20 minutes, you stop and you look 20 feet in front of you for 20 seconds. So it helps to break your focus so that you're not always staring at the screen. And there's different, different, you know, there's a different description that would go with this if I was talking to a, someone with a concussion, but just for this, it helps to break your focus from just that screen to something that's away from the screen. So you're, you're going in between um, a very focal point of focus to a distant point of focus. 
And I think the same thing applies with concussion as well. Like it's more like the strain of your eyes, right? Like people that get ocular headaches, you know, yeah. have any like um, TBIs or anything, you're likely if you're spending all day looking at the screen, those headaches are going to increase. The frequency of them are going to increase. So that will definitely help with that too. Yeah. So, so I really like these two suggestions for anybody who has to work with a screen really. I think they're really good for just reducing that visual input and reducing the chances of those headaches building, like whether it's an ocular headache or tension headache stemming from an ocular headache or a migraine or, you know, there's people who still have migraines who still have to work. And if you've had, if you've had a migraine, it's an awful, awful experience, but just having a tool that you can use during your day to help get you through your day and get you through your work day could be helpful. Mm -hmm. And the thing that comes very that's really important to that point is to plan it out because you can easily get distracted and literally spend four hours not looking at anything else but your screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I have, um, I don't do this. I should do all these things that we're saying, but I, I don't. <laughs> I have a coworker um, who, uh, who has like a smartwatch in her phone and she puts like um reminders every like let's say 40 to 60 minutes to do something to drink water to pretty um, good look away from the screen or whatever right and as annoying as they get try not to ignore them because it's really it is for your longevity and for your well-being right and really make that active decision to plan these things out for yourself yeah that's true i'm really good at ignoring notifications (laughs) You too. <laughs> that's probably why I didn't do it. Um, but I, if you are getting these symptoms, that's a good solution. Let's put it that way. Um, kind of going from time management after COVID, um, maybe we're not doing as much screen time and maybe we're still slowly transitioning back into the clinic. There are certain risk factors that we kind of started um, identifying that will lead to burnout. The other thing about time management is um, how we're going to plan it post-COVID. So we might have a little bit less screen time, but there we've identified a few risk factors that we've started to feel a little bit as we've been transitioning back into the clinic. Yeah, so the nature of physio or any job where you are working with people the empathy component doesn't really change. So regardless of whether you're doing telehealth or whether you're doing in-person, you should, you should still have, (laughs) and you should still have empathy in there. (laughs) So um, the, the, the energy component, the energy requirement of your job is still going to be a risk factor because you're probably going to have like the combination of wearing PPE and practicing in PPE is a whole different ball game and you do get used to it to some extent, but it still takes a little bit more out of you. And even stopping after every session, having to mentally remember, right. I need to clean everything down. Everything needs to be a certain way. There's a certain routine that takes an extra effort to get used to. And that's going to take, that's going to be taxing. So that's one of the things that we definitely identified as, um, you know, that you should, be aware of or it's good to be aware of um one thing i found that was really helpful with that is taking frequent outdoor breaks 
to take off yeah. your mask and actually have a breath. Um, my first week back, I couldn't take the breathing in at all. I would literally after every patient, but now I've built up that carbon dioxide in my body. <laughs> yeah, <Your> carbon dioxide <laughs> tolerance is better. Exactly. And so I can do more, but especially when you first come out, make sure you take actual breathing breaks because the PPE and the masks are really taxing. Yeah. Um, the next part is the decision-making um, the decision-making process, like masks and PPE is one thing, but then knowing, you know, trying to try to stay on top of the recommendations for the college so that you're not kind of practicing in a lost world of not knowing what, like what's, what's right and what's wrong. Just follow the recommendations from the college, follow the public health recommendations. And really go through your caseload, say which one of these patients I can keep virtual and I don't actually have to see in clinic. Yeah, like they are difficult decisions to make, but it's really for your well-being and your patient's well-being. And if you are working in a clinic where you have questions about things, I know the college just sent out an email. I don't know if you got that email set up, but they sent out an email basically saying like they are getting questions from physios working in different mm -hmm. clinics about concerns of safety and caseload and social distancing and things like that. So these are all things that are going to come back to you and can build up, build up that experience of burnout. So um, in a nutshell, managing relationships, making difficult decisions, practicing in PPE, being fearful and having the different emotions associated, just like regular human being things, you know, you are still a human being before you're a practitioner. So just having to manage the emotions and that are associated with practicing in a pandemic, like those are all some of the things, including, you know, having those emotions, but then also dealing with the financial pressures and having to maybe put those emotions aside so that you can reduce your financial pressure. Like there's, there's quite a number of things that can increase your risk of burnout post COVID or as we're coming practicing within this. It's a bit of a um, delicate situation because there's no, there's obviously there's right and wrong to it. Like you're definitely wrong if you're practicing without a mask. That's like a sure thing. But when it comes to other things, like they're very great. There's a lot of gray areas right now. So really yeah. be comfortable with the decisions that you're making and be able to logically defend them mm -hmm. to yourself and to the college. Yeah. <laughs> <Heaven> forbid. <laughs> Um, so our fourth point is the idea of actually building your resilience. Um, I think the person that really kind of drove this home to me was Anna Wong. We talked about her in our last episode. Um, resilience is the ability to be able to react appropriately when anything comes your way. So if you're having a really bad day, be able to absorb that in a productive way and not be knocked off of your feet, for example. Um, I think that a lot of people, when they first start to work, they get, if they have a, a, mad, a patient that's mad at them or poor outcomes for a patient or whatever, something comes up and they just really second guess themselves, they take that home and then they come back the next day and they're exactly this self-doubting robot all of a sudden, right? You have to recognize that through reflection and realize that you have to do something different. Um, so to get something different, you have to do different. You can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. Unless the same thing is reflection. 
Yeah, and if reflections then you can get different results. But if reflections not working for you, do a little bit of something else. Always build your toolbox for yourself so that if you get a bad bad outcome, you're able to manage it better each time it happens. Kelly, yeah, that do you know that? Do you remember the Kelly Clarkson song? I'm not going to sing it. But the what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I'm just sit here quietly until you decide to sing it. I can't, I can't, I can't, I won't. I'll spare, I'll spare the listeners. But I that song just came to mind. I think there's like that idea of like what doesn't kill you can slowly make you weaker unless you do something about it. <laughs> just like, yeah, true. Stress. That's that. That's stress. Stress and low. Full stop. Stress and low grade inflammation. Oh God. That's all. That's all I have to say on that. I would have. I would love to have a conversation about that later. Low grade inflammation. Yeah, it's a lot that we don't know. Anyway, so the last and final point um, that we kind of wanted to leave you guys with thinking about was remember your mission and. One of my coworkers, this came to my attention uh, because uh, we had, you know, like one of the clinics that I work at, we had a team meeting and a, a coworker and a colleague brought this up and he, he nailed it on the head. And, you know, he just, he just reminded the team, he was like, in this situation where things are changing and things seem so uncertain, one of the best things that we can do is to kind of remind yourself of why you're doing this. Like, why did you become a physiotherapist? What did you want to do? Like, was it to help people? Was it to make money? <laughs> like, if it was to help people, which I think most of us got into this pr- profession because we were interested in the body, we were interested in the way that it works, and we wanted to find out tools on how to make it work better for other people. Um, like, how do we then adapt in this new situation to still satisfy our why and to still keep us wanting to be better. And one of the books that he suggested uh, was Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And that name might be familiar because he also has, uh, he also did a TED talk on it. So if you're not interested in reading the book, listen to the TED talk. We'll have the link at the, at the end of this. Um, or in our description for this episode, but um, that's a, I've actually, I haven't finished reading the book. I did start, but I haven't finished reading the book, but I love the TED talk. (laughs) And no, um, no, no, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest about that. I'm a really slow reader. I'm reading about five different books right now. So um, sometimes I just need to read one, (laughs) but Um, uh, yeah, go ahead, Sadaf. I some like a thought that came to my mind is you know how we take courses we take mm. uh, CPDs and stuff I wonder if people do that just as a form of reigniting their passion because every time I leave the course and you just finished one as well and you have the exact same feeling you feel so recharged you're like oh, like either be like oh my god I have a list of patients I can try this on or like for you it's like this is this just opens up a whole new door of these patients I could help What's that saying you with the horses? <laughs> There's a saying with the horses? With the doors open and you like run really quickly out of it. 
I have no idea. Anyway, the point is, no, you're, no, don't guess. Okay. (laughs) It's going to be my forward. Point is, um, it really recharges you and you're like ready to take on the physio world again. And like, that's kicking down the gates. Something along those lines. Something about (laughs) gates. Sorry, go on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, it, like, is that a healthy thing to do? For example, I don't know if you've been getting the emails from Ignite Physio recently. I haven't. About, I don't know that I've signed up for emails. I try I to know. reduce signing up for emails because emails also give me a little bit of anxiety around all the things that I want to do that I can't do. Yeah, they really flood your inbox, right? Yeah. Um, but Ignite's been doing, I think it's a, I want to say it's like a burnout phase or an intro to practice thing but every couple of days they send you an email saying like here are some resources mm-hmm. and one of their things was like as a new physio you're gonna want to take all the courses yeah but yeah, you make it sure. a mistake of taking a course once every two months or something when you haven't had the time to absorb the information or actually practice it on people mm-hmm. so it, it's almost like a band-aid on things so really take a course reflect on it and be able to genuinely use it um, on your patients. And yeah. maybe that'll keep that happiness and that passion going. Yeah, I agree with all of those things. I think that um, I've, I've personally experienced the what you, you know, what you first mentioned about kind of feeling like you're at the end of the rope and you don't really, you know, you can, you can get a bit lost in practice sometimes where you're, you're going through the motions and um, and then you do take one of these courses and you're in a room with people and they're asking questions and you're learning a new topic. And then you, you slowly start to feel yourself get excited about something. You're like, Oh, what is that? What is that feeling? You know? And you're like, Oh, I like I missed that. It. I miss that feeling. Like this is, this feels nice. And then you find yourself like talking to other people and it feels good. And you know, like in our first episode, when we went, when we mentioned physio night out, that, that was one of those platforms that was really good for reigniting that passion and um, in the same vein, like what you were saying with also being at risk of burnout because you're doing too much, I think in early, early stages, I don't think I did too much in terms of courses, but um, you know, like I, what I had done was I tried to have like a neuro year and then an MSK year where mm-hmm. I focused on my neuro skills in one year, you know, like focused on building those skills. And then in the next year I switched and said, okay, right, well. I gave some time to neuro and I'm, I'm going to focus on working on my manual therapy skills. So, you know, there's different ways that you can go about it and organize that so that you don't, you're giving me a look right now so that you don't feel burnt out. What were you going to say, Sadaf? Cause I can see you giving me a look. Just I'm trying to blurt it out, blurt it out. <laughs> um, Cause I think we, we both had the same experience, but flipped. So like my first year, like my, um, my boss, she, wanted everyone in her clinic to have to be McKenzie trained to whatever level and that was really important for my clinic so I took a B I didn't take C but and I did a mulligan and I did like I think I did I don't know five courses in my first year and um, I like it's too much in fact (laughs) Um, and it, it gave me confidence because as a new physio you feel like you don't know anything so honestly I wouldn't I'd recommend doing some courses as a new physio, but mm-hmm. not a hundred. You just want something to give you confidence. 
but yeah I like the way that you did it because the way that you broke it down into like your MSK year and you, you, even when you had your years you didn't do too much you just stayed with it you tried it out for a while and I feel like you flipped during COVID though you took as many courses as you could <laughs> I think you did vestibular at like the beginning of COVID like just before COVID or something yeah yeah so like in january i took um my first vestibular course and vestibular has been an area that i'm like what you know like just completely don't have a clue i'm like let's do balance on the bozu like a single leg stance you know that's that's about as far as it went um still good exercises if you do them <laughs> but um i had took my first vestibular course and then post covid when the opportunity for the concussion course came up i was like oh that would be a really good complement to that vestibular course i took and I have a lighter caseload right now. So I was like, you know what? Let me do it right now while I have a lighter caseload. And then you took oh, a yoga course. Which hasn't started yet. Yoga training <laughs> starts in September. So that's going to be fine. Because that'll be everything. Everything is coming together. <laughs> I am just making a point to make myself feel better about my five courses my first year. In the last three months, Char has signed up for three courses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you guys have that, the experience of taking too many courses, you're not alone. We're all like this. Yeah, and even though we're saying this, we're still, you can see that we're still living in we different things. <laughs> we don't always practice what we preach, but when you come out of it, you, not that you regret it, but you wish you had spanned them out a little bit, like, so that you could have actually practiced them and absorbed the information. Yeah. I'll be done after yoga for at least a year. I don't believe that. Unless I take the McMaster acupuncture course. <laughs> hey, y'all, stay tuned for, let's say, four months from now. <laughs> <laughs> let's see what we're doing. Plethora. Um, but yeah, so going back to remember your mission and, you know, select, being selective about the tools that you try and the amount of time that you spend and the space of time that you fit things in. <laughs> in order to better serve your mission. <laughs> um, all of this, all of this really does like the tips that we've kind of said that, you know, the five things that we mentioned um, from the start of the first one, reflection, mm -hmm. practicing self-care and gratitude, trying to be better with time management as best as you can um, using tools, there's some using those tools to build your resilience every day. And finally, remembering your mission. We thought that these were things that, you know, have been helpful for us through COVID and pre-COVID and hopefully will continue to be helpful post-COVID. We just wanted to share those with you. Um, and just in terms of recommendations going forward, just, you know, we just wanted to remind you that this is uncharted territory. So it's important to be realistic and accept a new normal things aren't going back to the way that they were for a while so be open-minded accept the new normal continue to practice self-care and gratitude and manage your time wisely um, and remember that you're in it for the long run so there is a difference between sprint mentality versus marathon mentality so mm -hmm how do you continue to thrive in COVID times and continue having that marathon mentality? It's a good, COVID's been a really good reminder that 
everything in life is really the marathon mentality. If you try to sprint through this, um, you burn out right away. Yeah, like, for within sure. Within the first month, yeah. For sure. Um, one of the things that both Sadaf and I found helpful, and um, I don't know how many of you had listened in on the Ontario Physiotherapy Association talk about uh, returning to clinics. They did a talk a couple of weeks ago on returning to clinics. And uh, one of the things that they said that made me think about this was actually, they suggested before returning to work, make a video for your clients of exactly what the clinic will look like. And I know when we were studying for the exam, the same suggestion was made where they said, you know, like go to the hospital or wherever your exam site is going to be, drive there, experience what that morning will feel like. So that when you're there in the actual moment and it's time to take the exam, you've already done a run through and you can already mentally picture what that's going to look like. So Mm -hmm. I think I did the same thing for my first day of work. I kind of tried my best to picture exactly what that day would look like, like, you know, like what my morning would look like, what my drive to work would look like. Um, you know, like would I put my PPE on in the vehicle and then go into the clinic? Would I go into the clinic because I know it's going to be empty, then put the PPE on, you know, like I tried to reduce any decision-making that I would have to do in the morning, just take it out, just make mm-hmm. the decision the night before or two days before, whatever it is. So then you already have an imagery in your mind of what is this going to look like? What is my practice through this day is going to look like? And it's okay if that changes, but just have that script. So that it's, that it's that extra step in planning that helps to reduce your anxiety that you might feel about this new normal that we're going to be in. And that is definitely like, I think a part of your, especially your first week back in clinic, that's probably the part that you can control the most. You know, when the patients come in, you, it's always like this. You don't exactly know where they're coming in. Um, they might've had like something happen over the weekend, but um, having that space that you can control and have that as your first thing is really going to set you up for success during that day. But after that, be realistic of what your day might look like in terms of the number of clients, um, how much time frame you'll have with the clients, and using your space wisely because you do want to keep six feet between patients. You want to prevent any of that interaction between patients if they are there are more than one patient in the clinic give yourself time frames for cleaning but be realistic where you're not doing the same schedule where you're having back-to-back patients until you figured out that routine for yourself I think those are really good suggestions to death and um, I think that both clinics that I'm that I both clinics that I work at we've you know, we've kind of done those things where you plan like 30 minutes in between every patient and they've put up the barriers and things like that. So I hope everybody else is having positive experiences with clinics and clinic owners and they are practicing in a safe way. Yep. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we've planned out our next podcast, Char. Have we? Should we no. go back to the finance idea? <laughs> <laughs> oh, business and business in COVID. Well, it's just going to have to be, it's going to be a surprise all of us (laughs) and I know that we've we've kind of said that we're going to answer stupid questions except we haven't given folks any any way of asking a question so we're gonna leave the email up and feel free to send us some questions about things that you're concerned about or things that you want discussed or any question no question stupid question right Sadaf 
some of them are but we'll be the filters for that <laughs> we hope part one and part two of Rona Doubt has been helpful for somebody out there um, thank you so much for listening and we haven't yet decided we're debating between some hot topics for our episode three so you're just gonna have to tune in to find out what it is so stay tuned and thanks again for listening to she physios shit up bye y'all